The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? We're drinking a California pale ale. It's called Sierra Nevada. That's the brewer. And this one's a 90 on the Beer Advocate. I must have had maybe 35 gallons of this stuff really? in my life. Oh, oh yeah. so you've had it, so you're familiar with it. I yeah. don't think I'm familiar with it. I mean, I've seen it. I know other people have drank it in front yeah. of me, but I don't think I've had it. It's... 5.6? Yeah. That's it's, probably why you drink it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. It's a good beer. I used to drink it as my sort of go-to. There was a period in my like 30s where I drank this nonstop. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got an amber color. It it's does, yeah. full-bodied, complex mm-hmm. character. Cascade hops gives it a fragrant, fragrant bouquet and a spicy flavor. It's got a nice head. Yeah, it actually did fizz really well. Yeah, see, I taste the spicy. That's like closer to it. For me, that's closer to an amber. Yeah, it's pretty close to an amber. It's on the edge of pale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called a pale ale, but it's definitely got a, a rounder flavor profile. Mm-hmm. But it's a very palatable beer. It's delicious. It's got a good fizz to mouthful ratio. Mm-hmm. You're not overpowered by the fizz. Right, exactly. It's refreshing on a hot day like today. Oh, yes. And it comes in a 19.2 fluid ounce. Oh, 3.2 ounces more than a pint. Interesting. Well, it's delicious. It is. It is. I would say of the ales we've had that are American ales so far, Mm -hmm. I like this one the best. Yeah, I like it. It has just more flavor. Otherwise, some of the ales are so are so small. They're not very complex. Right. So then I'm like, well, why don't I just have a pilsner? Right. Right. Or a lager. Yeah. Why would I go to a pale ale? Yeah. Okay. Good. One of our favorite subjects is this question of dominance and submission. Yes, and inside of, of that, there's a conversation because people submit in different ways. You know? Oh, yeah. They're all sorts of... Inside and outside of kink. In, in, exactly. Inside <laughs> and outside of kink. They're all sorts of ways. Somebody has cataloged this and we have Untamed Vixen on the show today to share with us all there is to know about submission. That's awesome. So, so Vix, welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So we ordinarily begin our conversation by inviting you to share your journey in sexuality. So just tell us about how you discovered yourself as a sexual creature, how that evolved into kink, and what brings you up to today. 
Uh, okay, well, I um, in 2016, I met a person on OkCupid, and she was 19 and super cute, and she, like, sent me this message that was like, I just moved to your town, let's hang out. So, of course, I was like, she's too cute, this has to be fake, but she ended up, it was real, and I was like, okay, let's go out for ice cream, and she's like, okay, but I'm a slave, and I was like, I don't know what that means. I still want to go for ice cream. So we went out to ice cream and she told me about FET and how, what her day-to-day -day life was and how she has to ask for permission for things and, and what her sex life was like. And all of a sudden I was like, you mean there's people like me? I have always known that I was into rougher things. I actually, my first girlfriend called me out on it when I was a teenager. And the way she like didn't, they didn't do it very like, it wasn't dismissive, but they weren't comfortable with it. And that made me uncomfortable with it. So I never really explored it after that. But then I met this person on Cupid and they showed me FET and I jumped right in, head over heels, read everything I could. And I would have to say that the most important group of my journey would be the Wimpy Group, Western Mass Power Exchange. They are heavy on the education and through them and their presentations I learned that there's so many different ways to kink and that there's a lot of non-sexual kink and so, so my initial exploration was very non-sexual very impact oriented very masochistic and I eventually came to realize that my when it comes down to it my kink is endurance you know what can I suffer through and make it to the other side and so my initial exploration was more non-sexual. And then in the past year, I have actually been doing more sexual kink, working in degradation, humiliation, adding pain to my kink. I've recently learned how much I enjoy being punched in the ribs. Who knew? And so I'm also finding that I enjoy sexual submission way more than I thought I would. And now you connected with me over a writing I wrote and, and this scale. And I definitely, you know, I wrote that in 2017 and I've definitely evolved from there. So the scale that I'm talking about, it's called the nine degrees of submission by Diane Vera. And now what I really like about this and again about Wimpy is there were Wimpy, there was a lot of older members, people who are in there 60 and older, and they are living their best life, kinking it up. And that's awesome for me because there's so much experience there. So for this nine degrees of submission, it was written in 1988, which is when I was born. So it was kind of like, hey, you know, this, this is as old as me. And so there's nine degrees of submission. And the first one, it's listed as the outright non-submissive masochist or kinky sensualist. The second one is pseudo-submissive non-slave. Third is pseudo-submissive play-slave. The fourth is true submissive non-slave. Now, I know we're not supposed to use that word true, but I'm going to use it because that's what's listed. And then five is true submissive play slave. Six is uncommitted short term, but more than play semi-slave. Seven is part-time consensual, but real slave. Eight is full-time live-in consensual slave. And then nine is consensual total slave with no limits. And I am going to mention that Number nine does say that it's a fantasy that is probably very rare. So, you know, that's that very extreme. And when I wrote my writing about identifying as a brat and 
a brat with submissive tendencies rather than a submissive, the word being a noun, I identified as a five and a half. So in between that play slave and then that uncommitted, I want to submit but not forever type of feeling. Again, I wrote this in 2017. And in 2017, I also had a short-term master-slave dynamic. So I made an agreement with my master at the time. We had a set time of three months that we were going to have this dynamic. Now, as I said, I identified as a five and a half. And what he was asking of me was more of an eight. And I was willing to try that because... At the time, I didn't make this correlation, but now I can, looking back, you know, again, my kink is endurance. And when you talk about, you know, what's the most extreme bottom, the label slave comes up. Somebody who gives up the most autonomy to their top. And so I wanted to try it. Can I do it? And I bring this up because a lot of the the friends that I had were very surprised to all of a sudden see me acting in such a submissive manner because it wasn't, you know, I'm a giant brat. I don't like to be told what to do and I'm going to push back. And, and then here I am kneeling on the floor for this man before he's even walked in the door because I know he's here. And I really enjoyed that dynamic, but I definitely wouldn't want to submit myself to that level 24 seven long-term. Again, it was a, can I make it through to the other side of this? I kind of want to touch back to the fact that I've recently started doing more sexual. And I'm finding that submitting my body to someone for their use, whether it is pain or pleasure, however they choose, feels really empowering to me. There is, there's this beauty in adding meaning to my suffering, whether it's my orgasm or theirs, you know, there's something that comes out of it. And I would also have to say that I'm also, again, it's always a journey. You're always learning. I'm finding that the sexual kink feels more intimate to me. I'm giving my, not just my body, but my, my feelings, my mind, my soul to that person. So what I've also found is that I need more aftercare, which is interesting because for me previously, you know, I would take a beating, play to red take a beating and then I wouldn't really want aftercare. I wouldn't really want to be cuddled or snuggled. I'd want to be told how much of a badass I am. Whereas now the type of kink I'm exploring, degradation, humiliation, I kind of need a little bit more nurturing after. I need to know that my submission is appreciated. You know, I've just given you my body to do as you please. I don't want to feel like that's being taken for granted. So coming back to these levels. So the five, the true submissive play slave, it talks more about the play being for this, just for the scene and not necessarily long-term, whereas six is uncommitted short-term, not necessarily a 24-7. And like I said, I've I've kind of, I've evolved. I was on a a non-MS virtual meeting for slaves on the right side of the slash. And one of the people talked about being a tool for their master. And I absolutely loved that. That's how I see myself. I want to be, I want to be owned and I want to be my tops prized possession and most useful tool. And whether that tool is used to make dinner or suck your dick, 
either way, I'm being useful for the needs of my top. And as you notice, I keep saying top because words have meanings and people latch on to those, those, those master, that dominant. And, and even, even as we're sitting here discussing submissive versus slave, and I like to just kind of use the general top and bottom. So I feel that I'm covering fully both sides of the slash. So that's just why I go between the, those words. I have questions. <laughs> all right. So first of all, thank you for sharing. I'm very curious because you started off talking about 2016 when you met a girl and I was curious, are you bi then? Cause then you started talking about submitting to a man. So that's my first question. My second question precedes that even, which is when did you discover yourself as a sexual creature and how does that relate to who you are today? I suppose I, so that's kind of uh, I, I won't say a hard question, but I was over-sexualized when I was younger. I grew boobs very early. And I also, my mother raised a very shameless child, I'm going to be honest. So as soon as I had boobs, I was showing them off. I lived in an apartment building, so there were always kids around, you know? So when we were teenagers, we were all playing truth or dare. And, and so as far as my sexuality, I would say, you know, when I was a teenager, I was already came out as being, I came out as a lesbian because there is a lot of bi hate, even in the gay community. But when I was 17, I had met a trans man that I would date and call my boyfriend. So at that point, I just, started to identify as queer. So when it comes to my sexuality, I don't discriminate. When it comes to finding pleasure in my sexuality, that did not happen until in my 20s. I did not have sex with a man until right before my 19th birthday. It was all right. <laughs> he was what uh, the kids these days call a fuckboy. I married that man. But it wasn't until... I was able to talk about what I wanted, where I was able to, you know, express, hey, you know, can, maybe, you know, could I get some oral too, that I was able to realize that he wasn't really meeting my needs. And unfortunately, I cheated on my husband because I found somebody who he got all hot and bothered and, and there was resistance from him because I was a married woman and that resistance led into that struggle play and it was a lot of fun and it was it was kinky without me having a word for it. And so that would probably be my heterosexual awakening after my divorce, realizing that there were people who wanted to fuck me the way I wanted to be fucked. And so, and then like I said, I started kink non-sexual because my sex life was kind of mediocre before. So I wasn't ready to mix the two until I found somebody who made me feel comfortable enough being called a whore basically. Yeah. So, and I hate labels, but I just, I'm curious because you were talking about how your sexuality has evolved and your interests. Would you classify yourself as pansexual? So yes, of the words we have today, pansexual is what I fit under. When I was 17, we didn't have that word. So I just used queer. I still use queer, but honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm not queer enough to use it. Um, which, you know, is a kind of a conversation all in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. So this gives us a much better context for your perspective. So going back to your list of nine ways to be submissive, you talked about being a brat, which I get, and you talked about being a play slave, which I get. 
But then a little bit later, you talked about wanting to be owned and wanting to service your master and or mistress, I suppose. And I'm just curious, because you're on a journey in an evolutionary way confronting your sexuality, I'm just wondering where you land on that list today. So I have found that where I land on that list really matters compared to the partner that I'm with. When I'm with somebody that I actually have a partnership or relationship with, I have the desire to submit more. So I guess I want to clarify that when I'm talking about submitting, I'm talking more about submitting my body to the person for their use. Because when I think about seven, eight, nine, like I think about more of those day-to-day slave routines where your slave is waiting on you hand and foot. You know, when you come in, your slave is presenting themselves and maybe they have your your slippers or whatever it is you wind down with and they're going to be making the dinner for you and serving you. And I am not interested in the domestic side of servitude. So that's why I feel that I don't fit into that slave category, even though I want to be property, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Before you say, let me say one thing. Yeah. Just so you know who you're talking to, we live in a 24-7 total power exchange dynamic. And so I'm watching Lady Petra nod as she listens to you. Yeah. So if I read this scale, you know, it's just like taking a BDSM test. It, it's about labels and putting you in categories, but it does give you a way of defining your own experience. So I get why these are helpful. But if I read it on a basic level, you know, I'm an eight. Now that's not to win the game. That's just where I'm at. And I hear two different messages coming from you. And I think my feeling is I get that you don't like the domestic part. That's fine. But depending on who your dominant is, you could still, let's just say, let's just say, move into an eight without having those things that you're talking about, because it has to do with what the dominant feels is important in that dynamic. There is no, you're an eight because you, I don't know, tapped your head three times and then sucked his dick and then tapped your head three times and left or whatever your protocol is. There's no recipe for that protocol and recognize that you understand that. But It's about creating. And what I really want to know, because I totally get how you're going to submit to different partners. I get that experience for you. But outside of any partner, if some magic person was going to appear for you that would fulfill that deep urging need in you in the way you want it, where would you be on the scale? Ooh, okay. If we're talking basically ideals, really, then I would say I would want to be a seven and a half because I do want a, the way I describe it is I do want a 24 seven dynamic, but that is low protocol. So I would want to be full time, but the level of submission would be different. And again, I guess we come back to that, you know, when you talk about what does the word slave mean to you? And there's definitely people when I've talked about some of the things they want, they're like, oh, well, those are slave tendencies, but I identify as a brat. So I don't really, I don't really know exactly which box I go into because I want to submit, but I want you to make me. So it's, it's kind of this, this struggle for submission that I want But once you get it, I want to give you that seven or eight. So you're right on it. You're grappling, it sounds like, with what I was grappling with. But this is the difference. Instead of of taking my partners and saying, you know, because you might like all your different partners, the variety, what have you, and saying, well, this partner can give me this. So that's how I'm going to relate with this partner in my submission or not. Okay. Before I found my dominant, 
I actually decided for myself what I wanted. Yeah. And you're saying it's an ideal, but the reality is I found it and created it. It's totally possible. I read all the little sheets that talked about submissive. I originally went after being a slave, but I didn't want to be a chair for the rest of my life if my dominant chose that, right? So I looked for and created the dominant that fit my submissive needs. And I'm super submissive in the dynamic that we have because it was created by me and created by my dominant. And you have access to that. I just, I hear it in your voice. You have access to what you want to create. I'll add one more thing. And that is that there's no right way to be. And all of dominance and submission occurs as an agreement. And you can make any agreements that you wish. And once you are in a conversation with a dominant about submission and you're getting into the context of agreement, that's how you create the relationship that you're after. Yes, for sure. And I'm not saying, when I said ideal, I'm not saying that it's not possible. I guess I'm just saying like, if I was to list out, you know, that, what is that ideal partner? Like, like in, um, what is it? Practical magic where they, you know, they do the spell and they make the, the man with one green eye and one blue eye. I guess I'm currently speaking kind of vaguely because right now I'm not in a dynamic and I'm not quite actively looking for one. So when I'm talking about dynamics right now, in my mind, it is still very hypothetical for where I'm currently at. So I don't mean to come off as if I think that it's too ideal for me to find. It's just not what I'm looking for at this moment because I am still kind of doing the exploration of what is it that I like so that I can make that list of this is what I want from a dominant. Because even though I've been in the scene for five years as of June, I still feel like I don't. I still don't know so much. Well, the good news is that it's an ongoing journey of exploration. You know, we've been together for three years and our kink has evolved quite a lot. A lot. Over that period of time. And one of the things that I would point at is that who I thought I was as a kinkster coming into this dynamic is way different than I actually am, Mm -hmm. I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still a dominant and I'm still somewhat of a sadist, but my sadism lives in the world of sensual sadism. Whereas before I was functioning more like a disciplinarian and a hardcore sadist. And so things have changed for me over time and things have changed for Lady Petra over time, but we are in this journey together and our exploration is wrapped in our sexuality so that just like you said, you know, When you include your sexuality in your kink, it's way more intimate. And that was one of the things that we were really impacted by was just how close we get as an impact of having a kink dynamic that is sex forward, kink forward in our relationship. So I hear you mentioning very specific things and all of those things are great. You know, they're all really cool, interesting explorations of kink and none of them are static. They all evolve. And they evolve more peculiarly to your own predilections if you're partnered with somebody who's exploring your kink with you. So, yes. And it is all a journey. And it's definitely more interesting when you're doing it with someone. But I guess lately I've kind of been caught up on the question of what do you have to offer a dynamic? 
So yes, when you are exploring with a person together, it is definitely feel that I've learned more about myself through the person I've been playing with for the last year, because you do, you do start to learn each other and, and what, what each person likes so that you can then push those boundaries to, to kind of go to the next level. And that is definitely, again, when you, when you're playing consistently with a person, I do feel that there is more growth. However, the amount, again, we come back to that, how much submission I want to give to a person. I don't quite, it's not that I don't want to be exploring with a person. It's that I don't want to be committed to that. Yeah. I don't even really know how to say that one more. <sighs> yeah. Vix, you know, I'm hearing in your sharing a lot of self-doubt. And there's it's, nothing wrong. And no, there's nothing, nothing wrong. wrong. And this is a good conversation for you to be having with us at the moment. <laughs> it is. I guess because as, as I'm saying this stuff, because the person I want to be exploring a dynamic with right now isn't in a place where they can explore a dynamic with me. So when you start to talk about partnership, it's kind of hard for me to put it into words of, of what it is that I would want or would be looking for because I know what I've been enjoying, but there's still, again, there's still so much and so many facets of kink. And I feel that I want to be able to present myself almost like, you know, whenever you're putting a personal ad, you're kind of selling yourself. And so the exploration I've been doing lately has, I feel has been in preparation for being able to present myself as a bottom looking for a top and being able to best describe what it is that I need from them and what it is that I can give them. I get that. And I like to think of this as your self-expression, right? So this is your self-expression as a kingster. And the thing that is there for you to look at, and you just have to look, and there's no right answer. You just have to look. For you to really be satisfied as a sexual creature, to really be fulfilled as a sexual creature, the question you have to ask for yourself is what is it you actually want? What is it you actually want? Not what you think you should have, not what you think you must have, but what you personally actually want. And you can think of it in two ways. You can think about what is it you want to do to somebody? And you can think about it as what is it you want somebody to do to you? And you need to just make a list and just write down what you want in all those areas. And that'll give you a context for your own self-expression as a sexual creature, as a starting point. Yeah, it's a starting it's, point. It's, it's not static. It's not static. You start from there and you grow. I like to say, and we've talked about this on our show a bunch, that you can lay down a sheet of paper and you can put everything in kink on that sheet of paper, right? On the bottom, you can have all the different fetishes. And up the sides, you can have intensity up one side and you can have duration up the other. And you can make a little circle where you live. You know, you may be into impact play, into electrical stem, and into forced orgasms and into water sports. And you can put a little circle around all the things you're into. And the secret to kink is to find somebody who matches your circle or at least covers a lot of it. And that way you at least get to explore with somebody who's, you know, in the similar places you are. And I definitely, you know, like you said, it is all evolving. I mean, even, even just going between like how I felt in 2017 to 2019. And I guess, so the last time I, you know, you're talking about making this list of what you want. And I guess I felt like 
I knew more of what I don't want than what I do want. And that is kind of a different conversation. No, not, not really. It's, not really. It's, it's, it's the same. Like, I absolutely know I don't want to do anything with guns or scat. I know it. It's nothing wrong with that. I'm just going to take them off my list. They're not going to. They're not going what a, to. What a great way to go about this, if you think about it, because even on Fet Life, people put all the things they're into, right? That's why we have the fetish list kind of thing going on, life, and yeah. and the idea. I know that you can put hard limits in there, but most people don't. Most people just list all the things they like to do, and people tend to even in their abouts say all the things they like to do. Occasionally, the list not. But what if you went from a complete different perspective and just said, "These are things I'm not into, and I'm willing to explore everything else." everything else yeah. until I decide otherwise. <laughs> so my very first negotiation class was a consensual non-consent negotiation class. And they talked about building that sandbox. And it was very much, so I actually, when I negotiate scenes, I negotiate in the way of what do you want to do to me? And, you know, do I agree to that or not? So I guess sometimes I feel the need to have things I don't want to say I don't want to say I like to have boundaries well in place so I personally feel that just saying these are the things I don't want isn't enough you know that it is it is a whole conversation and and again when you when you are with a person and you are negotiating as that relationship changes, those negotiations will change as well. I mean, even if I'm, you know, with Taco Fluff, the person that I've been seeing for the last year, I mean, when we first started, letting him burn me never, like I would have never, but yet that's definitely happened because our relationship evolved. And so I guess that's another thing of, like you said about finding that, that top that, that fits your circle. I know that I will find somebody that fits it, but then, you know, also, will we also grow together? Will we continue to move together and not necessarily separately? Well, one of the things that we've learned, because both Safra and I were in 30-year dead-end marriages, okay? So in the creation of this dynamic, we have to be 100% responsible. And what I mean by that, there's no 50-50, like we're going to grow together, we're going to share in the growth and all that. I have to be 100% with him being zero responsible for the dynamic and the health of our dynamic. And I have to also. And then he also has to be 100% zero. And that we commit every single day. I mean, I wake up every single day and I get to create him as my dominant today, newly every single day. We don't just let each day roll over on each other and become complacent and allow for space to occur. occur. The idea is we up front, one of our dynamic agreements was it's a core value for us was that and that we don't take it lightly it's not just a conversation where we said yeah yeah this is what we commit to we we think this is important it's like how are you going to be in action to create each other newly every single day i'm only the dominant that i am because she creates me as her dominant in the way that she does she pulls me to her by the way she kneels by the way she serves she creates me every day and similarly i show up for her as her dominant i'm responsible for being her dominant in the way that I present myself to her and use her. That's entirely within the construct of our agreement. Well, and also we're in a 24-7 TPE. 
but we're also two separate human beings. There is no fantasy here that we, you know, are one thing and we create this kind of robotic kind of system. If there's a breakdown in agreement, communication or whatever, because we're human, then we put the dynamic, put it on hold for a second so we can have a equal conversation to clarify or to make sure that we're on the same page moving forward, because that's our responsibility to the health of the dynamic. Yeah, we're actually committed that there's no space between us at all, ever. Ever, yeah. Yeah, those pause and dynamics where you're able to come to the table as equal are really important. But I really like the way that you guys said about how you create each other's dominance and submission, because it is. It is a, a team effort. And I like the thought of that because again, my, my submission doesn't come naturally. So I like the thought of, of the dynamic being phrased as a team, you know, and we're both working towards it. Like you said, a hundred percent of effort from each side to, to make that team a winner. So let me give you an example. This isn't a recipe for success. This is just what we do. This is our dynamic, but it's a typical situation. So I get up at god-awful hours to go to work. And so when I'm away from Saffer, I wear a butt plug and I have to take a picture and send it to him with my good morning welcome to him when he wakes up. Also, before I leave, this is not a task that he gave me. The butt plug was his task, but I am responsible to create him as my dominant. And I, we obviously have turned this into a loving dynamic. So I write him a love note every single day and leave it on his computer. So when he starts his work day, that's the first thing that creates him for that day. And it's always different. It's whatever's moving me in the dynamic or whatever is happening. And that's just one small example of our day in the very beginning of our day. But that's what I'm talking about when I'm creating. I can't sit there and say to myself, well, does he ever write me a note or what does he do? You know, it's not that the dynamic doesn't exist on his side for me. It only exists for me in the sense I have to be 100% responsible to follow through on our agreements and create him as my dominant. Meanwhile, he's on the other side doing that too. What happens with the 50-50 thing that they always sell us on in marriage, like you know, you're 50% and you become a whole and all this crap. When you create that in a relationship, you actually are secretly keeping score against each other. You're constantly keeping score to say, hey, are we matching? Are we balancing? Am I only giving? Are they giving? But as soon as you move to 100% zero, that's off the table now. Now it's just you being able to be 100% in it and creating it by being in action. And yes, it does make you more vulnerable because you are putting yourself out there. But to win big in a dynamic, that's what you do because the win is the intimacy. Win is the intimacy for sure. And I guess I'm going to kind of go back to my sexual exploration of mixing kink and sex has been really intimate for me. And that has been really fulfilling. And again, I also feel that it it's because of the person I've been doing these things with. So definitely that vulnerability takes time to build. Something I really like, a YouTube video. I can't, I can't remember the submissive's name, but she does YouTube videos and she talked about begging. And one of her things was when my dominant makes me beg, I need to trust that he's not going to make a fool of me. Um, and I really liked that because if you, you kind of apply that to, to anything, not just begging, you know, like you were talking about, you know, you're going to just give, give, give and not keep score, but you also want to have it be appreciated. You know, it's not, maybe appreciate isn't the right word, but 
it's still it's still your actions are building the we. Well, look at it like this. The conversation is reciprocal, right? There's a reciprocal conversation. I'm creating her and I'm responsible for my creation of her. And she's got nothing to do with my creation of her. She doesn't feature in my creation of her. Like I don't look for her approval on. Similarly, she's on her own journey creating me. And it's something that I'm not a part of, right? That she creates that. That's 100% her. It comes from her. It's her choice. It's her self-expression. And because we're in a dynamic and I'm busy creating her and she's busy creating me, it's very reciprocal. And so the sense of scorekeeping that I'm hearing in your speaking just disappears. Like it just completely goes away. What you end up with is somebody with whom you are more at peace than you can imagine because they're showing up for you exactly the way you create them. Uh, so, yes. So I understand that. And I guess, you know, a lot of my verbiage also comes from the the societal way of speaking about relationships. And like you said of the, you know, when they talk about marriages being 50-50 and even, even within dynamics when you're talking on FET about things and and like we talked about labels and boxes and I don't want to say that I want to find somebody to fit in the right box, but kind of someone who fits well with me in the same box. And it's not necessarily like you said about the matching energy, you know, you're doing your thing, she's doing her thing, but it's still the same goal. Absolutely. Here's the thing. You're absolutely a hundred percent entitled to find a partner that helps you fulfill on your own self-expression. That's the thing right? It's like your self-expression as a sexual creature can occur without constraint with the right partner. Well, and I just feel, I hear you and I feel for you because when we talk about this creation, before we had this language to create our dynamic in our past relationships, I absolutely created my ex-husband as a terrible person. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, and, and I, I created my I, I absolutely created him as that because I continued to create him as that over and over. And because of, you know, typical things that happen in a marriage, you have kids and things like that happens. You feel, I don't think you are trapped, but you feel trapped and you create your own prison, if you will. Yeah. I think I wanted to say one thing, which is that, whether you realize it or not, you're creating the person that you're with, whether you realize it exactly, or not. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Safford did some kind of math writing one time about when he was on his beginning, his journey for finding his partner. And there's quite a few people out there, actually, if you do the numbers, that are perfectly aligned with you. The problem is, is making sure you are looking for that person Similarly, and you're putting yourself in a situation to find that person. Our connection story is absolutely a one in a million type of thing. But we both were very committed to never repeat what we went through before and actually create a sex forward dynamic. And I wasn't going to settle for anything else because I'd already played the other game. I totally feel what you're saying with the whole, you know, not settling. And I guess like when you hear the doubt in my voice when talking about dynamics. I suppose I feel that I haven't had success with the right partners because we aren't hitting all those all those boxes that need to be checked where there's some overlap but not enough. And I guess that also kind of is why I feel the need to have a better list of what I want rather than not just what I don't want because you know I don't want to settle. I don't want to I don't want to settle for less when I know that I have so much to offer. You never have to settle, ever. 
In fact, what you're speaking about is alignment. You're looking for somebody with whom you can align. And one of the most incredible things about my relationship with Lady Petra was as we got started in our courting, like our early conversations. Claiming after claiming. Even before claiming. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, just our courting. There were so many ways that she aligned with me. And I was always... It took us like three months to meet. Yeah, we didn't meet for three months. And I was always surprised by just how completely aligned we were in whatever it is I brought up. I think the only thing we don't care for, we don't like one particular chocolate that, yeah. I, that, I, that she likes I like, or something. But my point is that through the course of our courting, and then once we started dating, and once I claimed her, all the way up through when I collared her, which was a whole nother year later, all the time, there was always a sense of alignment. And so I didn't have like boxes that I needed to check, like that she needs to be able to do this or that. It was more like the ease of living with a person and the ease of experiencing the energy of a person and the ease of sharing space with that person. Yeah, sharing space. You know, like all of that was way, way easy. And I think when you find the right person, you just slip into that very comfortable space. And so I don't think you have to have it all worked out in advance because there are no right answers and there's no right way to be. The important thing is that you're in action on a journey. And, you know, we can go on and on in this conversation. We have to stop because it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I really appreciate this conversation and the turn that it took because we started off talking about nine ways you can be a submissive and you identified a couple different ways that it occurs to you. But the more important thing is that you really are in a conversation about your sexual self-expression and your happiness and joyfulness as a person and how that's wrapped up with the other. And we can tell you because we live in a 24-7 sex-forward dynamic that the happiness factor is way high if you get it right. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!